0: Hello, and welcome to Health and Fitness Redefined. I'm your host, Anthony Amen. Join me today as we take a dive into all the health and fitness, where we learn how to overcome adversity, depict that first fiction, and see health and fitness in a whole new light. Today's ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking all about sitting. And I'm sure all of you are like, hey, I know how to sit really well. Oh, that's the issue. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show, Dr. Stefan Zavelin. and I probably screwed his name up again, but it's okay. He'll correct me. Welcome to the show, man. You got it.
1: Perfect. That was, that was fantastic. I'm, I'm so pumped and excited. Let's go.
0: <laughs> I'm just glad I finally got one right. That's, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> totally unbiased, to screwing up everyone's name.
1: It's fair. It's it's all right. And plenty of people screw up mine. As soon as they see a Z, they go, oh boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> it's not a J. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about you, man. So tell us about yourself. Take us way back. Why did you want to talk about sitting? What kind of got you into the field? I know we were talking a little pre-show. You were a trainer, we were deciding between doing that and a gym motor, became a physical therapist, did a little OT, now I kind of don't do any of it. So give us the brief little short minute version of all about your life.
1: Right. I'm going to take you even way back to um, middle school. So middle school, I decided I didn't want to do gym anymore. And I joined the orchestra because you didn't have to go to gym if you were an orchestra. And so that kind of started my journey of reducing my physical activity overall. And I started doing less and less sports, even though I was a really active kid before that. And slowly but surely, I ended up gaining weight. So in high school, I was overweight. I had no idea what to do. And my brother kind of introduced me to the gym. I had no idea what I was doing. My nutrition was horrible and a lot of different problematic things with that. I didn't understand how to lift. I lifted heavy every single day, all body groups, all everything. And so slowly, I was trying to get this this knowledge. So then I went to undergrad. I got my degree in um, kinesiology. Uh, which I initially started in music, so music kind of persisted for a while, then turned into kinesiology and I thought, what do I do with this? Let me open up a gym. Um, and I was kind of looking into this as a possibility. And my parents said, Hey, we really want a grad school. We think you should go to grad school and do that. I said, Well, I don't even know what I do with kinesiology for grad school. Found out you could do occupational therapy or physical therapy, and went and shattered with a physical therapist and thought, this is amazing. You get paid to do this? This is I want I want this. I want it. So Went and uh, did physical therapy. Got through the entire program. Got my doctorate and got into the clinic. I really liked being in the clinic. I was actually in a really, really kind of fast-moving, good clinic where they really pushed education and learning more and more and more. But inevitably, what I noticed is I would see a patient come in. They would have back pain or neck pain, which were kind of the predominant pains people ended up coming in with. And we we resolved the issue. We talked about it and. Usually, I found there's something about the way you're sitting or maybe you're set up at work that you're not really doing well, uh, though, that, that we can adjust. I gave them the exercises, they felt better. A year later, they come back in, same issue. If they do the exercises, they feel great. But the problem was that they're sitting and they're not adjusting the actual setup, which is leading to all of this. So eventually, I said, you know, I need to start addressing this. We, in healthcare, all types of healthcare, we talk about preventative interventions, which we're trying to make sure that we intervene before the issue actually starts. So I said, all right, let me start talking to these companies and to these individuals to adjust how they're sitting and not only in an ergonomic fashion, but your habits around movement so that you don't get to all of these issues uh, in the long run and which obviously gels very well with the, the fitness and nutrition aspect of things as well. So that's what got me to this point.
0: So right now you would consider yourself a workplace sitting consultant.
1: Yeah, essentially.
0: So just talk to us a little bit about what that is, because we see in kind of the US right now more in particular, there's been that slight trend towards, hey, we know we need to move better. I know we were talking a little off show, and I just wanted to reiterate this because it was such an impact on me, which I was telling you, I went to... A discovery science place. So they had all these cool stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching a little news clipping feed off of it. And it's talking about all the amazing things about the human body. Like a fun one was there's more atoms in one person than there is grains of sand across the entire world. That was a very interesting fact. I did not know that. But the other part, which reiterates to the show is we've actually decreased our lifespan by five years. I want you to think about that. For Ever since we became homo sapiens or whatever you may believe and then kind of got raised up and evolved, we've always increased our lifespan. We've always went from living to 15 to 20 to 30. And that average lifespan really creaked up until about 5, 10 years ago, where now our lifespan has gone down by five years, strictly based off of the obesity problem we have here. That's mind-blowing.
1: It, it is. Um, and we don't obviously know how we're gonna keep trending with that. That's the, that's the other part. But to jump off of that with some other statistics that, that are a bit more shocking, and maybe this is why they don't put them into a children's museum, I don't know. Um, I, the, the Discovery Museum we have here is the, they label it as a kids museum. Um and but
0: a lot of kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fun science is fun i i enjoy it very much as well but so so you asked me about this problematic uh, aspect of sitting so there are a couple of stats out there as far as how much we're sitting in general it seems that u.s desk workers are sitting around 13 hours a day uh this is not including sleeping which may seem like what what do you how how is that possible um, but really, if you just kind of add up all the time that we're sitting throughout the day, you know, half an hour at, at breakfast, half an hour on your commute, you sit at, at work for about seven hours is the average, uh, according to the Labor Bureau, then half an hour for lunch. Uh most of us don't stand while we're eating, which you really shouldn't for digestive purposes. But then you you sit, you come home, you sit for dinner, you sit watching TV, you sit, sit, sit the entire time. So it's averaging out to about 13 hours for US. Global averages are actually somewhere still around 12 or so if we're we're kind of looking at those uh, desk jobs, which so many of us have. Um, Even as a gym owner, you you know that you're spending a lot of time at a desk as well, recording the podcast and working on all these things. So is that bad? Is 13 hours really that bad? So there's been some interesting different several studies uh, coming out of Australia, where they said about six or more hours of sitting is going to increase anxiety and depression or the the risk of that. Eight or more hours doubles your risk of cardiovascular disease. And that's that's our number one killer. So, okay, we're, we're, we're hitting that. And now to your point of decreasing life expectancy, 11 or more hours increases risk of premature death by 40%. In that that's study, it was sorry, 60% for women. One more time. Yeah. 11 or more hours of sitting throughout the day increases the risk of premature death by 40 percent
0: that's mind-blowing and I want to I don't know how related this is and I want to throw this at you because it was so intriguing I love documentaries big fan so Mm -hmm. we're watching one on the ancient Greeks right and it was talking about their life expectancy and I want to tell you something I my preconceived notion of their life expectancy was completely wrong I just thought Average age was, I think it was like 32, 33 years of age. Most people just died around that age. That's actually not true. Most people didn't die at that age. What happened was a lot of people died, I think they said before the age of 20, from a lot of diseases that killed the younger kids. But if you made it past 20, your chances of living to 70 were three times more likely. Three times. So not a lot of people died between the ages of 20 and 70. It's just the average is so low because so many people died before the age of 20. And I am bring this up because they, were, they weren't really sitting back then. Like,
1: ever. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> As I was getting into some of these, and I've, I've written several, several articles on this, and I was putting it together, I had this realization that uh, being in the school system, you're, it's kind of like having a desk job, really. You're, you're forced to sit the entire time. Maybe you get a little recess early on, but especially in high school, nobody forces you to really do it. We had gym for one semester. Of the four years, I had gym for one semester in high school. And, but anyway, you're sitting, sitting, sitting. Then I went to undergrad, sitting, 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 grad school, sitting, sitting, sitting. By the time I graduate and get to choose what job I do, I've been trained to sit for two decades essentially at that point. And then I go, oh, and the reason I picked physical therapy, another huge reason was I get to be on my feet all the time. I don't have to sit. Um, So, but we're, it's part of the culture and of the work that we're doing consistently that we sit, sit, sit. It's even in our language. We say like, grab a seat, you know, sit down so we can get started. It's there. It's strewn in.
0: I I couldn't agree more. And I know I've talked about this at a really, really early show, but I think it's long enough I can talk about it again. Where (laughs) I was going for physical education. I know it's a lot shocker. A lot of people quit halfway through my master's because owning a gym just seemed like more fun. But one of the things I had to write a paper on and kind of study was they did a test. I'm going to screw the state up. So I'm going to have to look it up and put it in the show notes. I think it was Illinois. Don't quote me on that. But they were testing the effects of PE and students' grade porn averages. And what they showed was if you had PE the class before the subject you were struggling in, you were way more likely to succeed and do well in that class. So what they started doing was they took that theory of doing it before and they worked with all the kids and put PE right before. And then some even took it a step further, did PE that class, another PE session. And their students not only were healthier, the grade point average off of that school tripled. Wow. Tripled. Yes, tripled. Like you, I mean, your generation, pro- you said you had it one semester. For me living in New York, it was every other day. And P.E. started, I know it's worse now because I was went to go be a P.E. teacher. But it was starting to become a class where, yet again, you were sitting because they wanted to put curriculum to it. They wanted to say take tests. Literally, the point of PE is to move, and they're saying no, we can't grade that. So you have to sit. <laughs> right, to I, of- and I
1: agree, and I think that they <laughs> for us, uh, yeah, for for us, they ended up doing it was like a health and wellness, and so they they truncated it to where one semester was in the classroom, and the other semester you actually went out and moved. And it's it was always funny because every single Person that I knew, every single classmate that I had, even people that might have been overweight, were so excited to go and move because they're like, finally, we don't have to be in a classroom. And where I'm going, can we listen to the kids? Like their bodies are telling them, please move. Um, which there's a lot of fun data on fidgeting and things like that that are also really, really good as far yeah. as sitting.
0: ADD probably overdiagnosed based upon people just not moving and not understanding that I'm using that burned up energy because kids, as for those that have them, are a ball of freaking energy. And they just need to expend all of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, and so how many people, I had many patients even that would say this, is they had kids or especially grandkids um, or nieces, nephews, and they would say, I can't keep up with them. Right. It's just like, they have so much energy. They're always running around. And I'm like, well, you're a big adult. Why can't you keep, like, you should be able to, that tells you, you have a problem. You're you're not moving enough. You're not conditioned enough to do it um, because- For years and years and years, we've been sitting, sitting, sitting.
0: So let's take it back. So you're blooming Mm -hmm. away with that stat. I'm just gonna reiterate one more time. 11 plus hours decrease your life expectancy by 40%. And you're putting the onset, you said for cardiovascular disease after eight hours, you increase your odds of dying from that, which Mm -hmm. cardiovascular disease still in this year, out of 2020 for everyone that flipped out and I understand, but cardiovascular disease still killed more people. So let's actually freak out about that one than anything else on the list. Let's cure the biggest one, and that comes to just moving. And I want you to t- talk us through, and work us through how we can move more, how we can sit better, how we can help maybe our workplace production. And for my business owners listening to this, I wanna just reiterate to you real quick right now that movement, And exercise is the key to success. I can't stress this enough with a lot of people. You have to work out. You have to move. It helps your brain function better. And your business will succeed so much more because you're taking care of you. But I don't want to talk about it. I want you to talk about it. Break it down, man. All right. Well, you bring up a good point
1: because inevitably what people jump to, the first thing is they go, oh, well, if I sit 13 hours, I'm just going to go exercise. I'm going to go for a walk. And that will take care of all of it. I'm sorry to say it doesn't because they did actually cross-reference all those statistics with people that exercised and didn't. It didn't matter whether or not they had even up to an hour of exercise. The problem is you're sitting too much. So I'm not saying don't exercise. I'm Please do. It's incredibly beneficial. And in a lot of the things that even cardiovascular disease, it improves it if you do exercise, but understand that you're still fighting the detriment of all of that sitting that you're doing. So can we find ways for you to reduce the sitting? So if you are at a desk job and you're sitting, a lot of people go, well, I have bad posture and my posture always sucks. One of the best things you can do really for your posture is just get up and move because that's gonna let you reset. Um, The common question is what's good posture for sitting? What's bad posture for sitting? There technically isn't good and bad posture. Um, let Let me explain that real quick. Your, your body's able to get into those postures. That hunched over forward head, rounded shoulder posture, that's a posture you can attain with your body. The problem isn't the posture, it's that you're spending hours and hours in that same posture. So when we say good posture, we usually end up meaning, oh, I'm sitting up straight. You're in this neutral alignment where you're less likely to stress anything. And so you can sit there for a longer period of time without causing pain. So we nickname it good posture. But the best thing you can do is get up and move. So the next question is how often should you get up and move? So this is where we're going to get into a little bit more of that physiology. And really it should be ideally every 20 minutes, but I'll settle for every 30 minutes as you're getting started. Maybe it's every 45 minutes, every hour, but at 30 minutes or so, the blood flow to your brain actually is decreased. So even if you think you're being very efficient at your work, it's likely that you're not. If you were truly zoned in after about 30 minutes, you're, you're good to go. 20 minutes, actually, the enzymes in your muscles start to break muscles down. They start to be expressed more to start breakdown uh, of the muscle tissue. It's not that the tissue is being broken down. It doesn't happen that fast. It's just that you're having that gene expression begin. And then fat um, enzymes that help us process fat can drop down in efficiency as far as 90% within those 20 to 30 minutes. So the idea is get up more frequently. It doesn't have to be for long. One of the studies found that even as much as two minutes is great, but I say start with 30 seconds because even 30 seconds is better than zero and you not breaking up that sitting whatsoever. So first, break up that sitting. The next part is find things that you can do standing up. So many of us can be on phone calls, my go-to habit now, as soon as there's a phone call, walk. It's pretty easy to do. Or stand if you can't walk around in your office or whatever it may be. If you can get a standing desk or do video calls on in a standing position, fantastic. Add in a little bit more of that standing. So you're not changing what you're doing. You're still doing your work, you're still being productive, but you're reducing how much you're doing of that in sitting specifically. Um, There's a lot we can go into how to set up your your desk. My biggest thing is make sure it's not cluttered. Um, And I don't mean the surface of your desk. I mean around your desk. Make it accessible to movement. So if you feel, oh, my back, I really want to get into a yoga pose or do a couple of squats to kind of get everything moving a little bit better. You have the space to do that, but realize your body just likes movement. If you go and you're working from home and do the dishes, that's still movement. You know, walking around, going up the stairs to carry the laundry is still a movement break. It doesn't have to be exercise so that we don't have to do more and more and more exercise to try to counter all this sitting that we're effectively dosing our body with overly.
0: That's uh, you dived in there. I loved it. I was just yeah. absorbing all of it. Just a little bit movement breaks. I want to talk to you about my philosophy. and I know you're going to be totally on board with this. I call it the radius rule. And this is a great way to get start moving. What that means is I'm going to pick something really significant. Maybe just start with 0.05 miles. Really, really small. Now, that's what I'm starting base. I refuse, and I mean refuse, to drive anywhere that's within that radius. I have to walk. It's my radius rule. So whether it's the same shopping center and those stores down, the like five stores down. So I'm not going to drive my car there. I can't, it's inside my radius. And then once I get comfortable with that, I'm going to bump that up. Now it's 0.1. Now it's 0.2. Now it's 0.3. And eventually for myself, it becomes 0.5. So anything within half a mile, I can't drive. And people look at me like, it just drive it so much quicker. I was like, no, you don't get it. Once I give in to this rule that I have for myself that I preach to all my clients, then one, I look bad. Two, I'm not practicing what I preach. So, I mean, this is, I have to keep to it. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep not doing it. There's only one exception. If the weather's horrible, where, I mean, like you're going to die walking outside or just road conditions, like I have to cross a four lane highway, Bro, no <laughs> <laughs> That's it though everything else just kind of it's a great way to get start moving again, kind of like you were talking about. What are your, what's your opinion on that?
1: i I, I love it. Um, it's you perfectly demonstrated another point of all of this is that when we try to get into these habits, um, there and this is all about habit formation at this point now um. We go, I'm going to change everything. I'm going to start working out an hour a day. I'm going to start eating clean. I'm going to drink all the water in the world and sleep for 24 hours a day, whatever it may be. Um, We just jump into it crazily, as opposed to starting with something very small and very doable. So it could be as little as I am now, if you're going into work, I am now going to take the stairs and I'm not going to take the elevator. And that's it. For a month, that's literally the only thing you do. It's fine. Everything else you can do exactly as you're doing. And then you sort of build slowly on that habit. Um, The one that's very similar to the radius rule that you're saying is I tell people that um, if you want a support system of your friends, start a challenge of take a picture with your mailbox. Because just walking out to the mailbox, well, I gotta get my shoes on, I gotta walk out there. Okay, some of you might start going for a walk, but that's a lot easier than going for a full mile. It can build up to that. Um, And there's many different ways. I love the radius rule, I might end up using it. Unfortunately, I don't think I have anything half a mile near me that I would need to walk to. But other than that, we did that. I just came back from DC and we basically walked absolutely everywhere there because it was so much more accessible.
0: That but. was, I was just telling you, we were just in the Carolinas and that was it. It was just walked from 9 a.m. to like 12 p.m. <laughs> you would have been super proud of me because my feet were killing me at the end.
1: Gotcha. Were you, and were you mostly walking on kind of sidewalks, so hard surfaces? And
0: okay. It was a equestrian center for a country music festival. Gotcha. So a lot of sand, some concrete, some uh, everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that, I, and it's a complete tangent um, to so many the things that you, we could get into as far as the nature of our feet, how much that's changed with the fact that we've been using shoes Um, and so if you're not used to it, yeah, but, but that you bring up a very good point when I tell a lot of people, Hey, standing is a really good option for you to be able to still do your work, uh, and transition yourself. And they go, okay, I'm going to stand for two hours today. And they just jump in and stand for two hours. You are not used to standing for 10 or 15 minutes. Don't jump to two hours. Start out really, really slow and progress it. It shouldn't really ever hurt. It shouldn't ever bother you. It should be invigorating maybe you'll be tired by the end. And that tells you, okay, I did enough. I shouldn't be doing any more standing than this. And then you can progress it slowly, but it should never just completely exhaust you. That sort of defeats the point.
0: I want to jump back into you talking to workplaces and a little bit more, just Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about um, suggestions you work with these employees. What have you seen? just stuff like that? Have you seen improvement in people's lives? Has it People felt better. What are some little tips our listeners can kind of just take home with them?
1: Sure. Uh, the overarching answer is yes, they feel better. Um, most you people, wh- when, you, well, when you give them the information, they go, wow, I didn't know that. What can I do? And I've, most people generally know, hey, I probably sit too much. They don't know what is that doing to me and how can I really solve that problem? And this is where I really get sort of into that mindset um, that I talked about, the, the don't do more, 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 and that we're stressed out with doing more and more exercise and more and more, try figuring out how to just sit less. The reason I go and I try to talk more to the employers is because the culture really matters around it. If if you're the only person standing up for a Zoom call, for example, um, and people are kind of giving you strange looks, that's not a culture that supports you standing and doing something healthy for yourself. If people are encouraging and going, hey, that's a, that's a really good idea. Maybe I should do that. Or if your whole team stands for the first five minutes of their Zoom call, that's a culture that's starting to support these healthy lifestyles. And you can then add in other little things that work. The, the easy parts, of course, is you can take a break and stand up and stretch. Most people can't do their work while they do that. So finding ways you can still do your work, like the standing and walking phone calls, that doesn't actually take away from your total time. So you're sitting less, but you're not thinking I have to do more. I have to exercise more and do more and more and more of this. Um, The stairs are obviously a great option. Find the, we talked about the interval of 20 to 30 minutes as an ideal, but find a time that you can break up and set yourself little timers. Now there are some apps Um, there are a couple, and you can look, at. there's one called like big stretch app that are desktop apps that can literally block your desktop. And for one minute, you you can't use it. There's a window you can try to exit out and it'll fly around. And you literally have to get away from your computer for one minute and then you're good. And you can set the timer. You can say it's every 30 minutes, every hour, but it really disrupts you. Um, It really kind of pushes you out of that because what most people do is they'll set a timer maybe on their phone or in their heads. They'll take a look at the time and do that. And when the time comes around, they go, "Ah, I need need to finish this. I need to finish this project. I need to do that. And then inevitably, they keep sitting and sitting and sitting. Uh, If you really don't know, if you go, hey, this project is going to take me some amount of time. It may be 20 minutes. It may be 35 minutes. Go, okay, as soon as this project is done, I am going to stand up and walk away and do something. So find the ways that you can work in either time or task appropriate to get up and move. All right. That's and and that's I know I'm getting back to the to that movement side of things, but that's really going to be the best thing to reset your focus, reset your posture and get you into the into that mindset of, okay, I can now work a little bit more efficiently than that.
0: I just want to ask a question that's bearing Mm -hmm. in my mind if I were an employee and I just wanted to hear your answer. So what if you're an employee of a company, you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is so true. I need to do this. But like you were talking about your workplace culture and maybe the employers and on board, what are some suggestions you can give to an employee to bring it up to a company to help their workplace out? Because it's going to be impossible to do if, like you said, no one else is moving. The employer expects me to be sitting here working for X amount of hours. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Um, and a lot of what I do is I end up talking to the employers um, to help them with that. And employers really care more about the statistics. It's, it's the true nature of it. We understand that employers are going to care more about productivity uh, and output. Employees are going to care about well, our health is, is what we're, we're really concerned with. Um, so while it's nice and a lot of people tend to go, well, hey, you know, standing more is going to be better for my health and all of these things you really want to talk to your manager or whoever about, okay, what are the benefits in terms of productivity? So if you take one hour of sitting compared to one hour of standing, standing is 46% more productive than sitting work. Okay, this is specific to desk work. 46% is huge. Now that doesn't mean that you're gonna stand for all eight hours, but understand that if you can bring that to their attention, they will go, okay, so now there's some merit to this. We can trial this out. The other part is you can always be the leader. You can always be the one person as the employee to start standing or to bring these things up. But if you can bring it up to them and to show them that, Hey, look, standing for 10 minutes basically resets your focus. Great. Maybe you start the 10 minutes of a meeting or even a one-on-one session walking or moving in some way. And inevitably people will see that difference and that change. Um, And there's, a lot of data around the different statistics of uh, cost related to people sitting too much Um, over $500 million in a year for different industries and even higher than that. It's billions across the entire globe of it's not just us sitting too much, but it's all the problems that come out, all the diseases that come out from sitting too much. And these are costs that insurance companies have to pay, but inevitably the actual employer also has to pay. So it definitely my, my little catchphrase is it affects their bottom line and your waistline um, because of just of, of how it works. So bring that to their attention. Bring the attention that it improves productivity. It decreases sick days. It helps people actually work better and less cost to the employer.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I think that was really stressed in uh, one that was about two episodes ago where we were talking about the cost of the obesity epidemic, which is in the I'm going to reiterate that too, billions. So if you're a money person and you're all about, let's save the bottom line, your waistline is contributing to the billions of dollars a year we're paying for our obesity epidemic here in the U.S. And that is global at this point.
1: Yes, um,
0: so, and so much of it,
1: as we're seeing some of these processed foods and work habits as they sort of transition to to other cultures, you're seeing it more and more and more. And I, granted, I'm not a nutritionist, but I, nutrition is a second passion. And I see all the problems that we have with processed foods. And it, it definitely plays a huge role into it. It's not just if you move more, you'll fix everything in your life. That's, that's not quite it. And then mental health is this other portion that's really rising for us of how stress and the, it inducing inflammation and all that. You talked uh, more at length at a recent episode about that as well. So it there's a lot to it, but moving definitely helps.
0: So let's just start wrapping this thing up. Just give me one last bit of inspiration. If you were to sum up what you do, what this episode was all about in a couple of sentences, go.
1: <laughs> I know you guys... And gals out there are all trying, you're working hard. Many of you are at the gym and you've got this. Let me just tell you that you've got this, but I just want to take the little burden off your shoulders. And instead of thinking of, I need to do more, I need to push more. Can you find those ways to do a little less? In this case, I'm talking about sitting. Can you try to find those little ways to sit a little less and make it just a habit that it is your normal way of doing that thing? And as you do that, you'll find that people around you will notice eventually, and you can bring that about to your manager or your other coworkers, and you can slowly alter that culture so that it's more acceptable to move. Because in the end, it's better for you, it's better for them, it's really better for everyone.
0: I totally agree. And then of course, before I ask that people can find you and get a hold of you, I just want you to do a brief 20, 30 second talk. You were mentioned pre-show. You're doing a TED talk.
1: Yes, uh, I'm doing a TED talk on December 4th in Vancouver. And it's basically around this idea that uh, employers need to address this this cultural shift of not just buying a bunch of equipment and really making sure we address the culture of sitting less, not exercising more. And that they actually help employees uh, to do so as opposed to just telling them finding ways to actually facilitate it and help out. My brief, quick example is encouraging is saying, hey, standing is good for you, you should stand up more. Facilitating is, hey, standing is good for you, we put in three movement breaks on your schedule for the morning and the afternoon. Okay, you're actually helping at that point.
0: I love it. Thank God I'm in a field where that's all we do. (laughs) I think I sit the most out of everybody and it's not even by choice. But I love it. And then, of course, tell us where we can find you, get a hold of you, and all the fun stuff. Sure. So
1: the company uh, that I have that helps all with all this consulting is called Love to Move. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at underscore love to move underscore, where I put up a bunch of these tips and a lot of the data that you can also show to your employer. And then if you want to see more, I have various little videos and things that can help you at www.ltmmtl.com. And you can also reach me through that as well.
0: And thank you. And thank you guys for joining us on this week's episode of Health and Fitness Redefined. Redefine. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button and join us next week as we dive deeper into this ever-changing field. And remember, fitness is a journey, not a destination. Until next time. For us, we know what it's like to feel unhealthy, depressed, and downright defeated. We want to show others there is a right way and through fitness you can do anything you set your mind to. Fitness can give you that motivation, confidence, energy you need to bridge that mental gap and prevent you from missing important life events. We understand it's about feeling better, living longer, and being good examples for our kids. We understand this because we live it. And for us, That's the redefined difference.